Now, this morning, we will continue with uh, our study on the book of Genesis. And our speaker this morning is uh, no stranger to you. Let me introduce him. Okay, there I am. Good morning. Now, praise God for technology. You see the invisible band? They played tremendously. Don't you agree? Amen. Worship of God will go on with or without us. Yes? Because worship of God from eternity past to eternity future continues. He doesn't need us. He has angels, multitudes, innumerable number of angels worshiping him and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we will do with whatever God allows. Amen? So this morning we will continue with our study in the book of Genesis. Why do we study the book of Genesis? Because this is the book of beginnings. The book of beginnings. And last week, what did we study? Oh, no, not selfie. Don't be a selfie. You can take selfies, nothing wrong, but don't be a selfie. Meaning to say, don't be selfish. Brother George shared with us his early morning devotion that when God told Noah that to repopulate the earth, they were supposed to scatter and fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth. But they decided to congregate in the land of Shinar. So they weren't dispersing. They kept to themselves. And they said to themselves, let us build a tower so that we can reach God. And we can make a name for ourselves. Don't be a selfie. Don't be selfish. Because underneath your selfishness is really pride. Kill pride or it will kill you. Don't be a selfie. So what did God do? He confused their languages. And what happened? Because God intervened. They had to disperse. They had to go through all the ends of the earth to fulfill the command of God to them to fill the earth. God's grace still prevails. No matter what the intention, the motives of their heart was, God intervened. You see, God already told us in Genesis chapter 6 that the heart of man is wicked. That's why he sent the flood. That's why so to speak, he pushed the restart button. He said, I'm going to wipe all life except Noah and your family. You will be saved. And anyone in the ark was saved. And as the study of Genesis is laid out for us, we've spoken about the creation. We've spoken about the fall. We've spoken about the flood. And we've spoken about the birth of the nations, the Tower of Babel. After four great events, we now go to four great people. And this morning, we will begin with the story of Abraham. Four great people from Genesis 12 through 50. We studied the book of Abraham. And we're going to see the beginnings of the Hebrew race. Before we proceed, why don't we pray? God Almighty, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the freedom to study your word without fear of persecution, without fear of being put in jail, 
because we study your word. Father, I pray that you speak to all of the people here present, including myself. And I pray, Lord, in humility that you speak to and speak through me, Lord God, through this message that you have given to us. May we learn the truths of your word, and more importantly, Lord, may we be obedient to follow it. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, last week we bypassed Genesis chapter 10, basically. Why? Because it was the genealogy of the families after the repopulation or the genealogy of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, better known as the Three Stooges. Now, we're going to take a look at some of the genealogy of one of Noah's children, specifically Shem. And you'll see why. Shem became the father of, I can't even pronounce that, Arpashad. Arpashad became the father of Eber. Eber Baltolome Bato? Anyway. Eber became the father of Peleg. Peleg became the father of Ryu. Ryu became the father of Serug. Serug became the father of Nahor. Nahor became the father of Terah. And Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran died, but he had a son, and his name was Lot. Why is it important to read this? Why is it important to know that from Noah to Shem all the way down, we see Abram? This was before God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And in time, we will explain to you what is the significance of that change in name. Now, why is it important? We jump to the first book of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 and this is what it says this is the record of the genealogy of Jesus and who is Jesus the Messiah what does the Messiah mean the Savior of the world so this is his genealogy do you know your genealogy have you this is not an advertisement have you gone to ancestry.com no Never mind. Do you know I am here in the U.S.? I'm here because of my genealogy. It never occurred to us that our father, our grandfather, my grandfather, was a U.S. citizen. When we were born all the way when we got old, I can't say grow up because I didn't really grow up. When I grew old, okay, in 2001, my father died. And there was this piece of paper that our eldest brother handed over to me. He said, Dad asked me to get this and to keep it. I don't know what it is. Maybe you can make something out of it. That was a document dated 1898. My grandfather's enlistment papers in the U.S. Army. And it said he was a U.S. citizen. And one thing led to another. I was able to connect the dots. Lo and behold, 
I was a United States citizen at birth. And we didn't know. That's why it's important to know your genealogy. And this is the genealogy of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, King David, from the house of Jesse will come the Messiah. And David, what is his genealogy? The son of Abraham. You see the connection? You see why it is important to study the life of Abraham? Because from Abraham comes David. From David comes the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. This morning, I've entitled our message simply B2B. You like B2B? Yeah. Those of you in business, you know this. Business to business. For our purposes this morning, B2B means you're blessed to bless. You are blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Many times when we have blessings, what do we do? Right? We want to keep it. Now, if that is your attitude, how can God bless you some more? But you're closed. You want to keep it. The way for God to be able to bless you more is to be open. Be open to God. We are not after the blessing. God's presence is the blessing. All the other kinds of quote-unquote blessings are secondary to you being blessed with the presence of God. All right? So this morning, we are blessed to bless. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So what is God commanding Abram? To leave. Leave what? In one word, everything. Leave everything. Leave everything behind and go to this land that I will show you. Now, here's a map. They used to, he and his father Terah lived in Ur. Ur of the Chaldeans. And then God brought his entire family to Haran. And God spoke to him when he was in Haran. And he told Abraham, leave. Why did God want them to leave? Why did God want them to leave from Ur to Haran and again to leave from Haran? This is what the book of Joshua says. Joshua 24 verse 2. Can we read this? Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, from ancient times your father lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and the genealogy of Abraham were pagan worshippers. They worshipped, they served other gods. So what did God do? 
again, he intervenes. Leave. Leave. You should not be continuing in pagan worship and serving other gods. Leave. Now you have a choice. Right? Your life is good. God tells you, leave. Okay, no problem, God. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Hopefully. Now let's look again at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Does Abraham already know where he's going? It is yet to be shown. So he does not really know. This, my friends, is where faith comes in. And the Bible defines faith for us very clearly. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, I'm sure some of you know this by heart. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction or certainty of things not seen. If you see it, it's no longer by faith. When the other disciples told, who was that? When the other disciples told, who was the one? Thomas. He said, the Lord is risen. What did Thomas say? Oh, Unless I see his nail-pierced hands and feet, unless I put my finger on his side, I will not believe. Was that of faith? No. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Abraham, go to this land. Leave everything behind. Your family, your position, your possessions. Everything. Leave to the land I will show you. And why is faith important? And without faith. Can we read this? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who is that him? God. For he who comes to God must Believe that he is, that he is God, that he is who he says he is, and that he is a rewarder. Okay? So is faith important? Yes. So what did, God, what did Abraham do according to verse 8? By faith. Not knowing where he was going. Just trusting the Lord. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, what did he do? He obeyed. He obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive. He hadn't received it yet for an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, if that's you, go. Where, Lord? Go. Where, Lord? Go. You remember? Oh, oh, oh. Now, you know, in my research, due to the internet, I spent several days and hours looking for Abraham's map. And I found it. You want to see it? 
Okay, here. Abraham's map. You ready? There. He didn't have a map. He didn't know where to go. Except he knew it was God who was directing him. Many times, we second-guess God's commandments to us. Number one, because we don't know God's commandment. How is your quiet time? Very quiet. How is your journal? Like that, Pastor. Blank. You don't have a record of God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. So how can you trust Him? How can you prove Him by His word? Go to the land I will show you. I will show you. It takes a lot of faith. Believing and trusting God. And look at why God wanted Abraham to go. In verse 2, he said, I will make your name, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Compare this to Genesis chapter 11. Let us build a tower to go to God so that we can make a name for what's God what does God want to do to Abraham? He said, I will make you a great nation. The only problem was he was already 75 and his wife Sarai was barren and beyond childbearing years. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. With God, all things are possible. Look at what God wants to do. He wants Abraham to be a father of a great nation. And it is God who will bless him. And it is God who will make his name great. And it is God who will make him a blessing. Friends, we see here the promise of God. Who is it promising to Abraham? God. When God promises something, will it come to pass? Yes, I shared with you in previous messages. Not one of the Lord's good promises have not been fulfilled. God, Abraham was trusting God. So here you see the promise of God. And here you see the protection of God. Verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You like God's protection? Imagine you're Abraham. Anyone who curses you is against me. Anyone who blesses you, I will also give my favor. Wow! This guy is blessed with God's promises. This guy is blessed with God's protection. Now, if I gave you that blessing, will you do anything I say? Of course not. Why? I can't, I can't fulfill my promise to you. Pastor I, this big guy, he bullied me at school. How big is he? 
five, ten, two hundred, twenty pounds. Okay, go to the principal. <laughs> I, I can't do it. But God says, those who bless you, I will bless. If anyone curses you, I will also curse. You see, we, we have to see all of God's attributes. We cannot just encamp on one attribute of God. Oh, God is loving, God is generous, God is faithful, etc., etc. But God is angry. God is angry at sin. God is also grieved. That's why he pushed the restart button and wiped out all the living creatures except Noah and his family. And the last part, he says, In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Remember the genealogy? Abraham to David. Who's next? Jesus, the Messiah, who loved the whole world so that they need not go to hell, but they can have an opportunity to spend the rest of eternity with God in heaven. All nations, all families will be blessed through you. And what did Abraham do? Verse 4. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, 75. Anyone here older than 75? Raise your hand. Yes, see. Oh, see? One, two, three. My mother-in-law is 95. Daddy Rupert? How old? 86. Sir, how old? Oh. Now, let me ask you. Is it easy at 86, 95, 85? If God tells you, okay, I want you to start afresh. Leave everything, everyone, all of your possessions. Leave everyone. Turn your back on them and go to this land. I will show you. At 86, 85, 95. God, I'm already retired. Can you use somebody else? That's a human being, right? I'm tired. I've done my share. Let others do it, right? Ah, Abraham, 75. Leave everything behind. It's good if God already gave them the map. Abraham. Go to this land, I will show you. By the way, here's the GPS. Okay, you make a right on Rosemead, take 210 East. When you hit the 15, make a right. That's okay. But there's no map. God said, Abraham, go to this land, I will show you. That takes a lot of faith. And Abraham went forth. Abraham obeyed, not counting his 75 years that it was going to be a hindrance for God to fulfill his promise. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, his lot nephew, his lot nephew, tama, and lot his nephew, and all their possessions. You see, I'm not really American. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and, and lot his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. What did Abraham do? 
Did Abraham obey the Lord? Did Abraham obey the Lord completely? Yes. He brought with him everything that belonged to him. He left every other thing that belonged to his father. But he brought everything with him, including his nephew, Lot. And what did he do? He went to Canaan. Now let me pause a little here. What do you see? What do you see? What, what figure is that? It's a triangle. At the apex of the triangle, and by the way, that's the name of our youth ministry, Apex. Come on, come on, Apex, come on. You have God. God is the apex. God is the focus. God is the most important part of that triangle. And then at the bottom, you have faith. And on the other side, you have obedience. This is what we could call God's triangle of blessing. If you follow this design, you will not encounter counterfeit blessing. Do you realize that the devil can also bless you? When the devil tempted Jesus, he said, just bow down to me and I will give you half of all the kingdoms. So does the devil have the power to bless? Yes. So make sure that your focus is on God. That you believe God by faith. And then because you believe God by faith, that faith will translate to your obedience. Outside of God, all other blessings are counterfeit. All other blessings will not last. That's why we read earlier, I, God said, I will bless you. And I will curse anyone who curses you. And I will bless anyone and everyone who blesses you. The true source of genuine blessing is God. And you and I have to take God's word by faith. And if we really believe in God's word by faith, it will translate to action. How many of you go see your doctor? You know, you want to have a checkup. Well, the rest of you, you're in perfect health. Praise God. Anyway, I go to the doctor. Why do you go to that particular doctor? Oh, that's our family doctor. We trust him. Yes? Okay, doc. Okay, breathe in. Hold it. Okay, take a blood pressure. Okay, weigh. Okay. Okay, this is what you have. He write a prescription, right? So why did you go to that doctor? You believe in that doctor. So he gives you the diagnosis. You read it. High cholesterol. Simvastatin, 20 milligrams two times a day. All right? You read the diagnosis. I agree. I eat too much lechon. Okay. Where are you? You're still okay, right? So you believe. You said you believe. And then you got the prescription, you put it in your drawer. You lock it. Ah, pastor, that's not faith. Why? 
Because there's no obedience. But, but he went to the doctor. He got his prescription. He understood what's the diagnosis. He was told to buy the medicine. Not yet. Oh, what should he do? He should buy the medicine. Okay, you unlock your drawer. I go to CBS or Rite Aid or Walgreens or whatever. Okay, here. Okay, 30 tablets. Okay, says two times a day. So you get the medicine. Then you look at it. Will your cholesterol go down? But you went to the doctor. You got the prescription. You understood your problem. You bought the medicine. What's lacking? Obedience. If you really believe about something, you will do something about it. Yes or no? That completes the triangle. You cannot just say, I believe, I believe, I believe, and not do anything about it. When you go to the doctor whom you trust, and you trust his diagnosis, and you buy the medicine, you should be faithful to take the medicine. If not, you don't believe the diagnosis, you don't believe the medicine, you don't even believe the doctor. And you can convince yourself that you're not even sick. You know what it says on the tombstone of the hypochondriac? You know what a hypochondriac is, right? He has, oh, this is like this, a headache. Oh, this is migraine. Oh, all kinds, everything. He feels everything. He says, I told you I was sick. That is his tombstone. I told you I was sick. If you really believe, you will do something about it. And if you really believe in God, you will study his word so that you will know his promises and that you can obey his word. Because none of his good promises will not come to pass. In a nutshell, true faith is centered on God and his word, is evidenced by obedience, and the result is blessing. We don't go to God for the blessing. God is already a blessor. Do you remember Hebrews 11 verse 6? Everyone who comes faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, that he is a blessor. The object of our faith must be God and faith must have its completion in obedience. You don't obey so that you will have faith. But because you have faith, you will obey. And as you obey, it will further strengthen your faith. But who should be the object? God. God told Abraham at the age of 75, go to this land I will show you. Because I want to bless you. I want all nations to be blessed through you. I, I will be the one to make your name great. So, he started in Ur. He was already in Haran. Now he has to go to Canaan. Did Abraham obey? Yes. In verse 6, it says, Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of More. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Do you see a problem here? Do you see a problem? 
God wants to bless Abraham. At 75, go. I want to bless you. So go to this place. So he goes to that place. There's only one problem. That place is what? Is occupied. There's a tenant. The Canaanites are there. So God, we have a problem. The land that you promised to me is already occupied. So what does God do? The Lord again appears to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. You see, Abraham had a personal encounter with God. Each one of us needs a personal encounter with God. We do not encounter God by osmosis. You know what osmosis? Well, I attend CCF or I attend this church or that church. Therefore, I'm a Christian. doesn't happen that way. I have my own sins against God as all of us do. And all of us need to have a personal encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Abraham had that encounter. And what was the promise of God to Abraham? Those of you who are old, you will know this. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. That's the promise. That's the promise of God to Abraham. I will give this land to your descendants. God's promise, I will bless you. And all who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. I will make you a great nation and all nations will be blessed through you. Your descendants will take possession of this land. And what was the response of Abraham? So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abraham's response to his encounter with God was worship. See, when we come to worship, it is not for us to be amongst ourselves. It is to have a personal encounter with Jesus. When we sing, we sing to Jesus. When we sing, we sing about Jesus. When we preach, we preach about Jesus. We preach his word. We don't give our opinion. We want all of our hearts directed to God. And he said, when God gave him this promise, he worshiped the Lord. He built an altar there. And this is the only concrete thing that Abraham built. He just built an altar to the Lord. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. What did he do? He worshipped. He worshipped. He prayed. So, here, he already entered the land of Canaan. He built an altar to the Lord in Bethel, but the journey is not yet over. Right? He said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So it's not going to happen yet. So what did Abraham do? Well, 
Abram continued journeying towards the Negev. The Negev is a desert in the Middle East. So he continues. He continues to obey God. He has a personal encounter with God. He worships God. He builds, a, he builds an altar and worship and speaks to God. But the story isn't over. The journey isn't over. He continues to travel to the Negev. And then what? Verse 10. Can we read this? Now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. What was the problem? There's a famine. Isn't Abraham obeying God? Yes or no? Yes. Abraham is obeying God. Now, God, you told me to go. I go. You direct me here. I follow. Why are you sending a famine? You see, my friends, our obedience to God does not necessarily mean that we will not encounter problems. Just because, let me repeat, just because we are obeying God does not mean that we are exempted from problems. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ said, you will have tribulation. Now, if you're Abraham, if your focus is not on God and His promises, maybe you'll give up. Right? Or maybe you'll just go back. But what did Abraham do? He continued on his journey. And they sojourned there. And where did they go? Let's have that map again. From Ur to Haran to Canaan. And then he, he went to Bethel where he put up the altar, where he worshipped the Lord. But then there was a famine. So what did he do? He went to Egypt. Now, what is in Egypt? Or what is Egypt? Egypt was the most, one of the most progressive civilizations during that time. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. Yeah. Now the Bible says that when Abram was called, he was 75. That they were childless because Sarah was past childbearing years and her womb was, pardon me ladies, was dried up. But look, maybe this is just the eyes of Abraham. You know, you're still beautiful in my eyes because I only have eyes for you. Uh, was that the case? Was that? I don't know. And it came about when he came near to Egypt, he said to, his, to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you are beautiful. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me. But they will let you live. So why would the Egyptians want to kill Abraham? Or Abraham? Because Sarai was so beautiful, they would kill Abraham to take Sarai for themselves. Wow. If that is your wife, you better do 24-7 guarding. You should have the iPhone pinpoint where is your wife, the triangulation, you know. Verse 13. 
Now, look. Look at Abraham's fear. They might kill me and let you live. So what's the game plan? Please say, you're my sister. So that it may go well with me because of you. And that I may live on account of you. What is Abraham telling his wife to do? See? You know, when you're outside the blessing of God, you will lie. You will sin. And then that one lie will be covered up by another, which will in turn be covered up by another and another and another. What? Pastor, they just want to go to Egypt. What's the problem? There's a famine. Of course, they have to look for food. And the food was in Egypt. There's no problem. But they were outside the blessing of God. Huh? How can they be outside the blessing of God if all they want to go is to go to Egypt? Well, this is what Joshua, Isaiah 30 says. And God, talking to Isaiah, who proceeded down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. So who was their protector? They forgot that God is their protector. They forgot that it is God who promised them to be blessed. Now they are relying on Egypt and Pharaoh for their protection and blessing from the famine. And what does God say? You move without consulting me. When I found out that I was a U.S. citizen, I went here to explore what immigration status the rest of my family would be. So I took a vacation from CCF for about two weeks. I came here, and then I consulted with some lawyers. I came back. And then in the men's room, those of you who are from CCF, like Pastor Danny and myself, when you encounter Pastor Peter, it's a conference. So he, I'm on, I think I was, he was on the left urinal. I was on the right urinal. So and so, what's going on? What happened to your trip? Well, Pastor Peter, I think I need to do this. Uh, the lawyer told me I need to establish residency, blah, 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 blah. You know what he said? Why do you want to go to Egypt? Then I understood. America is so rich and progressive that many people come to the U.S. without consulting God. And when problems come, who is the first to get blamed? True or false? You went down to Egypt without consulting me. Because instead of relying on me and my promises, you decided to trust the promises of men. That's why God sent that famine. That's why Abraham lied to protect his skin. So what happened? It came about when Abraham came into Egypt 
validated. The Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. So Abraham really had good eyesight. Because even the Egyptians confirmed that Sarah is really beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens? Therefore, he, meaning Pharaoh, treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and, and female donkeys and camels. Was Abram blessed? Who was the source of blessing? But at what expense did it come? He lied. I told you. There are other entities who can bless you. But true blessings come from God. What happened? But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with, the, with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So to protect Pharaoh from having intimate relations with Sarah, who was married to Abram, what did God do? Again, he intervened. He sent plagues to Pharaoh's house. And what did Pharaoh do? Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Did God intervene? To the point that, a, that Pharaoh realized Abram lied. This pagan Pharaoh held Abram accountable. Imagine a pagan will rebuke you, a Christian, and telling you this is what you should have done. You were dishonest. You lied. Not only that, what happened? They were deported. Take everything that you have and leave. Yes or no? They were deported. They were deported from Egypt. Why? Because Abraham, number one, decided to take refuge in Egypt. Number two, he decided to lie. But God intervened. God intervened and did not allow Pharaoh and Sarai to have intimate relations. They were dismissed. They were deported. They were thrown out. But in God's faithfulness, look at what happened. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all who belonged to him, and lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. In God's graciousness, God still used Pharaoh to bless Abraham, despite of Abraham's sin. Now, Abraham and Sarai were really related. Sarai was his half-sister, but also his wife. But Abraham chose to say the half-truth, that she is my wife. Why? To protect himself. Half the truth is what? It's a lie. 99.9% .9 truth is still a lie. He lied. 
to save himself. But God still intervened and God still became gracious that even if we, they were thrown out of Egypt, they could not Pharaoh have just thrown them out? Just the two of them? But God, but God through Pharaoh, Pharaoh chose to let them go, take all their possessions with him, and he was richer when he went out of Egypt when he came in. Imagine, that's the kind of God that we have. Even if we make mistakes, God is gracious. But we have to learn from our mistakes. In Genesis 13, verse 3, He went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made made there formerly and there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. What did Abraham do? Even when he failed the Lord, even when he sinned against God, even if he showed a lack of faith and trusted Pharaoh over the promise of God, even when he lied, even when he sinned, what did he do? He went back. He went back to the place of his encounter with God. And what did he do there? There again, he called upon the name of the Lord. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We just have to go back. Go back to where? Go back to God. Abram was blessed, but he was blessed to be a blessing. We saw Abram to David to Jesus, the Messiah. What is the blessing to us today? Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 says, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all nations will be blessed in you. What is the gospel? The gospel is simply good news. And what is the good news? That Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. How would Jesus come about? through the seed of Abram. The blessing that God gave to Abram translates to our blessing today through Jesus Christ. But I don't see myself there. Do you see the word Gentiles? All who are non-Jewish are Gentiles. Anyone here who is Jewish? No. Therefore, we are all what? Gentiles. And the gospel has reached, has blessed the Gentiles. God spoke it in advance to Abraham. He didn't really say Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And after three days he rose again. He said, all nations will be blessed through you. Genesis chapter 3, which we discussed, says, 
and the seed of the woman will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. The seed of the woman that translated by genealogy, by generation to generation, Abraham to David to Jesus. You're blessed to be blessed. You're blessed to bless. What are you doing with that blessing? And who is that blessing? Verse 14 of Galatians 3. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you now see how the blessing of Abraham has reached you and I here today? That blessing is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you can experience the blessing of Abraham if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible does not tell us that you need to belong to a certain group or a certain religion. The Bible tells us we need to belong to Christ. And the only way that you and I can belong to Christ if we have Christ in us. Now, how can we do that? I'm like you. I'm a sinner. I make a lot of mistakes. I have a lot of disobedience in my life. But praise God that disobedience is less and less. So what do I do? What do we do? May I share with you from the book of Joel. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. What does God want us to do? He wants us to go back to Him. He wants us to mourn, to lament for our sinfulness. He wants us to tear our heart, not the garments, because the garments are external. Okay, God, I'm going to lament for my sin on Sunday. I'll tear my outer garment. But God is more concerned with your heart. If you mourn over your sin and if you return to God, what will you experience? For He is a gracious, compassionate, He is slow to anger, He is abounding in loving kindness, and He is relenting of evil. If you already have Jesus Christ, guess what? You have been blessed to bless others. You can share this blessing with somebody who needs to encounter Christ. Uh, but pastor, I don't know how to do it. No problem. Bring them on October 31. No problem. Bring them to your small group meeting during the week. And share Jesus Christ with them because they too may need to return. He says, return to me with what? With all your heart. Not with the externals, 
but from the heart. Amen. It's a matter of the heart. That's why God told Noah, these men, their heart is full of wickedness. It's not just the action. It's the heart. So we need a change of heart so that when we see the promises of God, we obey them by faith. We don't go out go about the outward motions of obedience. Obedience, faith in God, our obedience must come from the heart. God, I want to obey you. God, I want to show you how much I appreciate your son, Jesus Christ, dying for me on the cross. But I need your help. And God might say, you know what? You're asking me for your help, for my help. You haven't even come to the point of coming back to me. Have you come back to God? Have you gone to that place where you first encountered Jesus? Abraham failed, but he decided to go back. This is where I built my altar to God. This is where I worshiped God. This is where I called to God my Savior. Have you come to that point, friends? Focus on God. Believe by faith. And live a life of obedience. That is the full triangle of genuine blessings. Our blessings in life is not based on making promises to God, but by believing in God's promises to us. And what did he promise? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you returned to God? Have you returned to our Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know your, your spiritual journey. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you haven't really began your spiritual journey with Jesus. Or maybe you're even taking a step back. I don't know. But God, he just says, return to me. Return to me with all your heart. Return to me and experience that he is a gracious God, a compassionate God, he is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting in evil. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Friend, if you're here this morning and you have not yet encountered Jesus, perhaps now is the time to return to God with all your heart. Not with external things, but really from your heart. Perhaps now is the time for you to fast, to weep, and to mourn over your sinfulness. Perhaps now is the time for you to return to God so that you can experience His grace, His compassion, His mercy, and His loving kindness. If you're coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time,
then by faith, just tell Jesus, Lord Jesus, I admit that I have sinned against you and I need you in my life. I ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as the Lord whom I choose to obey. I pray that through your Holy Spirit you will empower me to live the kind of Christian life that, you ought, that I ought to live for you. I thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you're here this morning and if you already have a personal relationship with Jesus and you've drifted away, maybe it's time for you to return. To return to Jesus with all your heart. Just confess. Weep. Mourn for your sin. Repent that you've grieved God. And he promised to forgive you of all your sin. God Almighty, we thank you for being the kind of God that you are. Gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God, we thank you that we can study your word. Lord, I trust that your Holy Spirit moved in our midst this morning and have spoken to your people. And I pray that you will confirm to those who may have encountered Jesus Christ for the very first time only today that you will affirm that the Holy Spirit lives in them. And for us who already have the Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you will keep us steadfast, focusing our eyes on God, living a life by faith that is evidenced by our obedience. And Lord, when you bless us, let us be a channel of blessing, not to retain that blessing, Lord God, but to pass it on so that others might be blessed through us. All honor, all glory, all praise we give back to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.